this is Eddie. And this is Miguel. And welcome to the Guy Life Culture Podcast. Yes, we're back with a new episode. Thank you so much for yeah. tuning in, um, streaming our episode on whatever p- podcast platform you are streaming us from. We are super grateful and thankful that you are listening to this brand new episode. Yeah. Um, we just got through, uh, you know, the 4th of July and all those crazy festivities, VBS at our local church and all of those things. So um, I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying my summer. How's everything going on your end? <laughs> well, you're definitely enjoying it more than I am because you're <laughs> off of work for the summer. Yes. Uh, yep. But I think that at the end of the day, any good day that you can get to go to the park or just hang outside, you know, it's barbecue season. So everyone's on the grill every weekend. Um, so just being able to get a couple of minutes here and there is better than none. Um, you know, some people don't have summers the way that we do. And although it's for a short period of time, you know, people go all out and take it in because winter yeah. is just around the corner. Uh, but no, just blessed and highly favored, how some people would say. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, we pray definitely that you're all having a great summer from wherever you're listening to us from. We do have, you know, those that are international listeners, yeah. right? So I don't know what part of the world is it that there's, it's just sunny the whole, you know, like for three months straight. What, mm-hmm. where is that? I don't know. I, that's I feel somewhere. like that's like Alaska. Yeah, up there. something like that. So if you're, you know, enjoying Iceland. the sun for three months in a row, you know, uh, be grateful and, and thankful for that. We hope you're enjoying that. But today... We want to get into um, a very interesting topic that we're excited to talk about. Yes. And um, really no title, but just a general idea of mistakes um, that are made in ministry. Yeah. What are some of the top mistakes, you know, looking at, you know, uh, things that we've seen, maybe looking introspective at our life, you know, different things that we've learned or overcome or seen, you know, in others, um, and have witnessed in other people's lives that Mm -hmm. we're like, man, if I would have known better, or, you know, I wish they would have done this differently. You know, what are some of these mistakes that can be made when you're involved in ministry? Yeah. And it's something that it's across all ministries whether it be leadership, whether it be um, artistry, uh, ministry, like musicians, poets, um, uh, singers, um, also, and, you know, preachers, evangelists, all, all pastors, all types of ministries. Uh, the things that we will be sharing today can hit all, if not most of them. So it is going to encompass the whole spectrum. Yeah, definitely. Um, And again, regardless if you find yourself in ministry or a leader in ministry or participating any of these things, at the end of the day, you're still, you know, involved, you can say, whether it's, you know, you go to youth group and you are part of a youth group there, you'll be involved with leaders and you'll have a youth leader and all those things. Or, you know, you're in Sunday school and you go to Sunday school in your local church there, you'll be involved with people. So whether or not this um, you know, is you specifically, it will affect you, you know, either directly or indirectly. So it's something that, you know, you definitely, uh, should pay attention to today. So one of the first mistakes we're going to get into that, um, as I was thinking, I wrote down was, um, I see this so often, the mistake of putting ministry first above your family Mm, specifically. Yep. So I was going to say above all things, but specifically focused on your family, because I think that encompasses different aspects of that. Yes. So, um, you know, what do I mean by this? I mean, people who uh, are just so committed to a certain ministry. Again, 
um, doesn't have to be pastors. It could be teachers. It could be singers and, yeah. you know, being so committed to music ministry and traveling and all of those different things. And you look at their family and their family looks miserable or mm -hmm. their family looks like they're in need yeah. or their family looks like, you know, they're really struggling, but you look at their ministry and it seems like, well, you're ministry seems to be flourishing and your mm -hmm. ministry seems to be thriving why does your family you know look a little toe up yeah you know so i think that that's something that can be a serious mistake when ministry is put first over the family yeah and i think there's levels to that because uh there is uh the point of view or the perspective from a husband or father a wife or mother that perspective of um, neglecting your family, your kids, your spouse. Uh, and then there's also the perspective of, let's say, a single person um, just like completely disregarding their family. So you could be a son who is highly successful or a female who is highly successful in their ministry. There's also uh, um, a balance you have to have and not to... Um, put it to the side your family because a lot you know at the end of the day for the most part our families tend to be our support system they tend to be our backbone they tend to be the people that know us and can kind of keep us grounded and all that good stuff uh so it's good to have them when they're a positive influence in your life um then when it comes to parents who are neglectful of their children you know that's horrible you know and we see that a lot um we, we see that a lot with pastoral families and we see that a lot with uh, preachers and people that travel where because they're so invested in what they're doing, they completely, you know, disregard the issues that are going on at home or the attention that their family is in need of or just simply you being there and being present in something that's very important in a, in a family period. Because we see this with people that are like super successful um, in, the, in the secular world where they're so successful and they're making bazillions of dollars or whatever, but their family, their kids have no relationship with them. Yeah. And, you know, the what God has established is that your family is your first ministry. That's the ministry that you should be taking care of first. Once all those eggs are in the basket that they need to be, then you can go ahead and dedicate time to the ministry and the gift that God has given you to not only expand upon, but to also share with the world. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've done my fair of traveling and encounters with people, and I've gotten that a few times from, you know, teens and even, you know, young kids where they talk about their parents and they talk about their parents in a way like, you know, I am home alone most of the time. Yeah. You know, or Dangerous. my parents are always, you know, out and about, you know, they're either visiting somebody or doing this or doing that. And I'm home. Mm. And, and they say that a lot. And, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know, not all ministry families, I'll just put it under ministry families, yeah. you know, are the same. You do have those that uh, lead by example and that know how to develop that balance and all of those things. And then you have those that, again, they go to that extreme where yeah. it's work, work, work. And it's almost like the family becomes that impediment. You know, family should never be that thing that gets in the way, mm -hmm. you know, of your ministry. And you can take that and you have to kind of shape it in the right direction where it's like, you know what, they're not just because you have a family doesn't mean they're stopping you, mm -hmm. you know, or serve as an excuse. But you have to look at them as God put them by your side. God yeah. put them there. So how could, you know, um, you go out and be, you know, saving the world, like they say, and your family, your number one support system looks mm -hmm. at you and, you know, they don't look at you with 
you know, joy. They don't look at you as the minister that you are, Mm -hmm. you know, and I always say this, I think it's so, you know, sad when, you know, whether it's a father, that's your pastor or, you know, your husband, that's a pastor or a worship leader or anything. And, you know, anytime they're in their role and in their position, so either they're preaching or teaching or singing or, you know, playing through in music, you know, and you're in the crowd, you want to be able to look at them and you want to be able to look at them with that joy and with that, you know, pride of, you know what, like you're amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a great person there and off the stage, off the altar, off, you know, when you're out of that role. But it's such a shame when you sit there and look at the person, Mm -hmm. you know, and look at them like, yeah, that's who you are here. But at home, you're somebody else or at home, you know, it seems like you don't pay attention or at Mm -hmm. home. It seems, you know, so you just want to be very careful to have that balance. Yeah. Yeah. Because it winds up happening a lot, too, where, you know, it, it becomes neglect because you're so like tired and so like stressed out about what's happening in your ministry that when you get home, you just want to be left alone. You don't yeah. want to spend time with anyone. You don't want to hear about nobody's day. You don't want to go to nobody's sports event or whatever because you're just so done. You need to be able to have that balance within yourself as well. So it's it's a it's a complete balancing act. But a good way to try to find the median place with that is to the best of your ability, your family should also be involved in your ministry in one right. way or the other. You know, it shouldn't be a separate compartment like, oh, my ministry is for me, you know, my wife and kids, you know, deuces, you know, in whatever capacity that they have the ability to help you with, you know, they should definitely be involved. They should be there with you so that you do have those times that you're spending together so they can see, oh, man, you're putting in a lot of work Oh, you know, it is tiring. It is this. It is that or whatever. And they and in turn also become understanding of what you're going through. But you also have to know when to put the brakes on stuff when, you yeah. know, you've been traveling for the last five weeks straight you haven't had a weekend with your family maybe you need to say no to that next event and be like nope i can't do it that weekend we're going on vacation or we're doing a staycation or we're doing a whatever you know because you have to be responsible with your family as well yeah uh just recently uh pastor of transformation church uh mike todd he's you know probably heard of him on youtube and all those things he takes the month of july off Mm. so he takes four weeks off to be with his family and he does this every year and he says that you know he in that time he dedicates one week um you know to be with his family uh they go away you know he takes his wife his kids they go away he takes um another week or so to be with his wife and he goes away with his wife good just them two and then he says he takes about another week to get away him and god Mm. And, you know, just listening to that, I found that, you know, so, uh, so impactful, the fact that he literally schedules that and everybody around him knows, oh, well, July's coming. That's his, you know, time off his sabbatical and he's going to go and, you know, hear from God and do his thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like he says, he's like, you know what? I need that time to disconnect. I need that time to go and see what God is going to do next. Yeah. And he kind of explained it. And I guess this may lead to the next point, but he explained it by saying, you know, if he was removed from Transformation Church and he was no longer the pastor, mm-hmm. his goal and objective is that the church would keep going. Yeah. So it's almost like if I'm consistently and continually the only one up here and the only one speaking and the only one doing things and the only one you see, you know, how are we going to grow? So yeah. in this month, there are different people that do different things and his church is involved in different things as well. You mm-hmm. know, so I think 
it's important also when you are in ministry to make sure that you are creating leaders yes. where it's not just, you know, I'm doing it, I'm doing everything, I'm doing everything. And then, okay, I'm not here. So we can't have it anymore because yep. I didn't train anyone or I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, uh, have a student where they were learning, you know, how to do things or, you know, strategies and all these different things. So once you're gone and removed, it seems as if nothing else can function. Yep. That's a big mistake. Yeah. You know, and it segues to uh, my next point, which is taking your team for granted. You know, a lot of times you have either the, the one side of the coin, which is you're not uplifting your, you know, you're not educating, you're not showing the ropes, you're not, you know, doing what you're supposed to be as a leader, which is, you know, get people on a level with you so that they can continue to push the the uh, the the goal forward. Um, but also you also have the group of people that just take their team for granted, like they're inconsiderate of their time. They're planning stuff last minute or they do things and then don't let them know. And then they're mad at them or they're, you know, running stuff with an iron fist and it's like, it's like you have to be respectful of your team when you have a team of people and not all ministries have a team, but a lot of them do. You know, whether you're a pastor, you have the officials and the deacons or whatever. Or, you know, if you're a musical artist and you have your team people there, your musicians with you, you know, it's something that happens a lot uh, that I've seen a lot also with um, musicians and singers where there can be a disconnect between the two because of that lack of communication and people taking each other's time for granted. You show up to rehearsals late or you come to a rehearsal and you don't even have the song rehearsed. You don't even know what you're singing and you cannot do that. You cannot take people for granted just because you're the quote unquote face or you're the one that's in the front. You can't expect people to just you know, continue to um, support your bad habits because of it. So you have to be mindful of the people around you as well, especially if you have great people with you. Yeah. You know, that's one thing that, you know, you have somebody good with you, a good partner, a good team, you lose them. It's tough to get them back and it's tough to find somebody to fill in the, those those shoes in that part of your ministry. Yeah. And I think, like you said, that's how when you operate in that way, that's how you lose your team and you yeah. lose those people. And then when they're gone, you realize I can't do this on my own. You realize, man, we did lose some great people or great staff or great, you know, team players that are on the team. Yeah. But again, all of that, you know, the that environment um, among your team and that atmosphere among the team stems from the leader itself, yeah. you know, and it stems from that individual, you know, who's kind of the head of all of that. And I think that um, one of the things that's just very simple that sometimes, you know, being in ministry kind of people can forget, you know, because of frustrations and because of, you know, ambitions and goals, you kind of forget the day to day practical stuff, like just being nice to people yeah. and remembering that people, you know, have lives and mm -hmm. people don't just, you know, and quote unquote work for you. You know, they have other responsibilities and other things. So it's important, like you said, to be respectful of their time, be respectful of, you know, the amount of hours they're working or putting in, you know, in whatever project idea, you know, whether it's a rehearsal, you know, you want to make sure that the sound man, you know, or sound woman, you know, um, it's times respected. Yeah. That if you say we're showing up at seven, that you don't show up at, you know, 7.45 and they've been there 45 minutes waiting and then they have to wait till the very end to lock everything up and yeah. close, you know, put the mics away and put things away. So it's just being respectful of everyone's time. And that's a common mistake that, you know, can be made in ministry. 
one other um, thing that as I was making my list, I was thinking of is, you know, that comparison trap. Mm. When we're in a ministry, we have a ministry, like I said, whether it's singing, whether it's poetry, whether it's preaching, teaching, you know, I do the PowerPoints during the worship, you know, whatever it is, you're involved in a ministry. Comparison is something that will sneak in where it looks like the grass is greener somewhere else. You know, whether it's you, you're in one church and it seems like the grass is greener at the church down the road, Mm -hmm. whether it's you're in one ministry and it looks like the other ministry, man, they're a family, they're a team, they're (laughs) this, they're that, you know, it always, you know, that comparison trap, I, I feel always so strongly about because I think that's a tool the enemy uses to really destroy people where it's, I have a gift, I have an ability, I have a talent, but I'm not reaching my full potential or executing it the right way or being effective because I'm too busy looking at everyone else Mm -hmm. who's doing quote unquote, the same thing that I'm doing. Yeah. You know, and when it's, you know, you have to really understand no one can do what you do the way you do it. So it's like, you know, if you're a leader leading something, whatever ministry it is, no one can lead that ministry the way you lead it. Mm -hmm. God has given you unique talents and abilities and resources for your job in specific. And I think that's a mistake that we make that we feel almost as if we're missing out. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe I'm not doing the right thing or maybe I'm not taking the right steps. And, you know, we so busy looking at what other people are doing and then we try to mirror or copy it mm-hmm. to see if it works for us. And it's almost like just because it works for one person and that was yeah. their formula or what happened to them, that necessarily is not the formula for everyone. Yep. And I think that that's a mistake that can be made where you know, that comparison trap or that competitiveness, you know, kind of kicks in where ministry is no longer about serving and helping people, mm. but it becomes more about a competition. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've got this many people that came today. Well, we got this many. Oh, I noticed in their church, they did this. We need to mm. do something very similar to get that many people, you know? So I think that's, that's very dangerous. Yeah. And it's the mindset that is the issue because there's nothing wrong with, uh, receiving inspiration from what other people are doing there's nothing wrong from seeing people being successful and being like man you know it's really good you know maybe we need to like step it up a notch but when the focus becomes different when the feeling becomes different when the purpose becomes different it's no longer about you pushing yourself but it's more about you wanting to be better you know it's not about glorifying god it's about you know i need more i need more likes i need more followers i need more fans i need people to pat me on the back more that's when it becomes an issue because you know we have friends in ministries and we see things that other people do in ministry i'm like man that was awesome you know that gave me an idea maybe we can do a b and c that's fine but when it starts to be that oh miguel did an event he had 200 people you know what i'm doing an event the next week and i'm gonna have 250 people just to show him like that's that's redundant and it's not what god wants us to do god wants us to push each other he wants us to you know lift each other up and to be there for each other and all that good stuff there's no need for a competitive spirit because once you get that competitive spirit into the mix of things then it it brings room for envy and 
anger and hurt and all this other stuff that has no place in ministry. And even within your team, you know, even amongst the people that you in your church, in your youth group and your whatever, you have to be careful to not let that spirit of competitiveness come in and bring everything down into shambles. Because all of a sudden, the person that was helping you is like, oh, I can do it better than you. And then they start leaving traps from you, for, you know, to yeah. screw you up. <laughs> and listen, I've heard stories. I've seen things. I know it is possible. That's why it's very, very um, needed for you to have that 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 sensitivity to the voice of God to be able to catch yourself. Because as humans, we will fall into sometimes, you know, thinking something we're not supposed to or feeling something we're not supposed to be feeling. But when you're sensitive to the voice of God and you hear him, you know, yelling out a warning to you, you need to be able to catch yourself and be like, OK, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not going to go, you know, into that black hole because I know that if I get into that train of thought, I know if I get into that mindset, I'm not going to be able to pull myself out. Yeah. And, you know, that leads to the next mistake. And it's, you know, having the wrong motives. You know, if you're getting involved in ministry because you want, let's say, the biggest thing, you know, fame or acceptance, you want, you know, people to applaud you, you know, yeah. that's not the right, you know, uh, motive to be involved in what you're involved in. Yeah. You know, some people feel alone. Mm-hmm. You know, they feel insecure and their ministry or what they do in ministry makes them feel Like they have people around them. It makes them feel secure, makes them feel like, wow, people are saying I did a great job. Wow. I know when I go up there, all eyes are on me. Mm -hmm. I have people's attention. I know when I speak, people listen. But when I leave that and I go home, I'm alone. Yep. You know, when I leave that and I leave whatever job I have in ministry or whatever role I play, I'm not the star player. I'm not the one people are looking at. I'm not the Mm. one people want to listen to. I'm nobody. So I think that's also, you know, you're going in for the wrong motives. You're going in for the wrong purpose. What is your motive? Why do you want to get involved? You know, is it to put something on a college, you know, you know, uh, resume? Like, Mm. what what is it? What what is your motive? You need to be careful because not always does it start that way. You know, some and a lot of times it starts off with the best of intention, with the right motives, with, you know, no, knowing why exactly what you're doing it for the great per, for the greater good. But your ego gets in the way because of all the accolades or all the attention that comes with that, you know, and 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 I've seen and I've experienced it myself where all of a sudden you go from, you know, being a nobody who's just doing their thing to now everybody wants to be your friend or everyone is congratulating you. Everyone is sending you messages. Everyone is sending you friend requests. Everybody's all up in your Kool-Aid. And then now all of a sudden, you know, you feel what I would call like Christian famous. Like, oh, everyone in my community, in the churches in my community know who I am or everyone in our city knows who I am or whatever. And then all of a sudden you don't know how to deal with those feelings, those, emo- those emotions, and you just grow a big old ego. And then you forget it's not about you. It's not about um, anything that has to do with you. It's about the God that is using you. And then that is where the issue becomes. So a lot of times it's not that they start off with a big ego or they start off with the wrong intentions. It's just that along the way, they lose the way. Yeah, I just heard um, a podcast with rapper Andy Mignot, and he was talking about um, years back when he released his, uh, one of his first albums, it was, he said it was right before music started streaming and Mm. right after the CDs phase. So it was like in the between moment when the only time you could purchase music was 
buying it on iTunes yeah. or these stores. So he said his album went number one and everybody was buying it and downloading it. He said he went to a certain uh, station and 50 Cent was there mm-hmm. and they were like, you know, they the people at the station tell 50 Cent, do you know, do you know who this guy is? He has a number one rap album right now. <laughs> and he's like, I went from being no one to having the number one rap album talking to 50 Cent, 50 Cent bringing me into his office, telling me about his new music coming up, telling me about all these things. He was like, the rush was so crazy and everything happened so fast. He said, like, he started building that pride and ego from that young age. He was like, man, like, this feels great. Mm -hmm. You know, and he says that, you know, one day he was walking in the streets of New York with uh, Lecrae and another rapper, Trip Lee, and someone stopped them. And was kind of like, you guys, are you this person? And they were like, no. They were like, but I know you guys. You're, you're. And then they he, he kind of got. It. He was like, oh, you guys are these rappers, the Christian rappers mm-hmm. out right now. And he's like, you guys are like famous. You're like big and whatever. And that Lecrae was like, we're not famous and we're not big. He's like, watch this. And he, Lecrae stopped about ten different people as they're walking and said, do you know Lecrae, Triple mm-hmm. E, Andy Man? And people were like, no, no. And mind you, this is Lecrae asking people right in front yeah. of them. He asked about 10 people and everybody said, we they don't know who know those them. people are. <laughs> and he was like, you see, we're not famous. Mm. You know, we're not famous. It's just, you know, we're just normal people. And that put things into perspective for Andy in that moment to realize, like, wait a minute. Like, yeah. I'm not I'm not as big as I think yep. I am. It's and true. I think it's a, it's a mentality and it's a thought that you really need to put in your head that, you know, just because, you know, a thousand people know you, that doesn't mean everybody knows you. Yeah, and that brings us to the next point of mistakes, which is making sure you have the right people in your circle. Yes. You know, that was a perfect example of having the right person in your circle to bring you down back to earth without even doing it on purpose. Like maybe he wasn't even doing it with intention to level Andy Minio, but when you have the right people around you, they can keep you grounded. They can bring things out to your attention. They won't be the yes men. You know, the people that always, yeah, 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 that's a good idea. Yeah, do that, do that, do that. When sometimes you need people to be like, nope, that's not a good idea. Or maybe you should reevaluate that. And what winds up happening is that when you reach a part in your ministry where, you know, whether you're traveling a lot or, you know, people are getting word of what you're doing, you get people that want to be your friends. You get people that want to get um, close to you. And it's like, you know, you become this light in this room that's been dark. So now everybody's like wa- walking towards the light, but not everyone that wants to be in your circle has the best intentions for you. Yeah. Not everyone that wants to be your friend, not everyone that wants to hang out, not everyone that wants to share notes with you, not everyone that wants to share an idea with you has the, pr- the right intentions for it. So that's a very... Um, slippery slope to navigate because once you get the wrong people in your circle then they begin to cloud your judgment if you allow them to Mm -hmm. they begin to put ideas into your mind that aren't the best ideas but because you have these people hyping you up you think you should do it um or they you know they they let you do things that you shouldn't be doing it's important and i've seen that i've seen ministries fall apart because of that because they put the wrong people in their circle they put the wrong people to either run the ministry or you know they weren't supporting that they should and it all just deteriorated out of nowhere so that's an important part as well yeah it's like do you want to surround yourself with fans yeah that work for you and that are part of your team that they're yeah. just you know obsessed with you or what you do because they're not obsessed with you it's what you do yeah you know there's that word that we use now clout you know yeah. when people do things for that clout you know chases. it's not really you know they're not really obsessed with you as a person and who you are it's what you do um you know do you want fans or do you want people you know that are like family 
where mm-hmm. it's more of a support system, people you lean on and mm-hmm. all of those things. And that in itself is like a whole podcast episode that you can go off of yeah. and talking about that, you know, your inner circle and who's in your inner circle and what that means and, you know, the role of that. But definitely, you know, keeping an eye on the people that you let in and the people that you talk to. Yeah. Not every idea, every goal, every vision that you have should be told to everybody. Yep. There are certain things that if God gives you something, you need to keep that idea, that that goal, that vision and wait for the right time mm-hmm. to say it and wait for the right time to execute it. You know, so I think as, you know, being involved in ministry, you just have to be so careful because most people I can say, I think that are in ministry, are in ministry, they're creative. They're yeah. creative people. There's yeah. some people that, you know, they like to create, whether it's, you know, a sermon, a message, whether it's art, whether it's, you know, music, they, they like to create. So creative people always have ideas and always mm-hmm. have things that they want to do and always have, you know, things they want to reach for. But not every idea is to be executed at the time you get the idea. Yep, not true. every idea is meant for now. Some things are meant to be written down and then stored away till the right time. Yep. And I think we can mess things up when we have these ideas that we want to execute and just go for it every single time without counting on God's guidance and direction. Like, you know what? That was an idea, but not for this moment right yep. now. And you just messed up a great, great moment or a great, great idea that would have been, you know, awesome. Yeah, for jumping the gun. Yeah, for jumping the gun. And I think that sometimes we can get caught up with that. And as you were talking about your inner circle and having friends and all these different things, you know, one of the things I had wrote down was a mistake that is so dangerous when it comes to ministry is when you lose that human connection Mm. and that connection to humanity where it's almost, it sounds so deep, but it's not. But it's almost like, you know, I'm a minister, I create music, I do this, that, the other thing. And it's like, you're in your own level of society where, you know, oh no, I don't feel pain or I'm not sad because Mm -hmm. I'm this, or, you know, I'm so busy on the road doing things, preaching. I've got this engagement, that engagement, this event, that event, that I don't have time to process certain things, certain emotions or certain feelings because, I feel, again, I have people applauding me. I have people who know me. And Mm. and I kind of don't deal with the normal day-to-day humanness that I believe is healthy for us to deal with. Mm -hmm. You know, where it's like you can't sit and have a conversation with someone about the day and about the clouds and about the sky because every other word is, you know, something you want to do next or a new project or a new this or a new that. You know, you can't carry a simple conversation with someone, you know, if your ministry, your gift, your talent, whatever it is that you have this passion for was stripped from you, what's left? Would you be able to carry yeah. a conversation with someone? Yeah. Would you be able to have fun in your life? Would you be able to drive, you know, down, you know, the street, you know, down the highway, would put some music on and enjoy life at that yeah. moment? Would you be able to go to a beach? Would you be able to travel and have a great time? You know, so it's all of these things where I believe if your ministry becomes that number one and your ministry becomes just your source and and your number one passion and the reason for your breathing and your living and existence and all of these things i think that is super dangerous because you begin to lose touch with reality and with just other humans you know other people that god has placed in your life Mm -hmm. and i think we have to be careful with that that we don't get so involved in what we're doing that just our day-to-day life seems you know not to really exist because if it has nothing to do with our ministry if it has nothing to do with moving forward in what i have in this next project or this next idea i don't want to be involved in it 
Yeah. And I think that's so dangerous. Yeah, you know, becoming a workaholic is something that can happen in ministry as well. And like you're saying, it's something that's very dangerous that we have to keep in mind um, an eye out for because you don't want to be that person that everything is like it becomes this obsession It's not something you enjoy to do. It's not something that you feel like God has called you to do It's this obsession that you have to do. Um, and that's not the right mindset uh, to have, you know, and then you have the opposite end of the spectrum, which is people that become complacent in ministry, that they were, you know, they started off in fire and they started off doing their thing. And then, you know, they reached this level where they think they no longer need to put in the work. Yeah. They no longer need to pray. They no, no longer need to plan. They no longer need to, you know, put effort. You know, they, they'll pull out stuff from their back pocket and that's good enough. You know, and that's a problem. You can't be that way. You know, it reminds me of the story of Cain and Abel. You know, you can't just be giving God leftovers. You know, oh, yeah, I worked on this sermon three years ago. You know, and there's nothing wrong with recycling sermons because sometimes God brings that message again. Uh, but when the only thing you're doing is recycling stuff or pulling stuff out of the air and you're not taking time to develop the idea, you're not taking time to seek God's voice, his guidance and all that other stuff, then you just you just you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And it's, that's a dangerous mindset to be in and that complacency and not being focused in the ministry that God gave you. Yeah. That can be anything from, you know, not preparing a worship set list. Yeah. So you're just singing the same song. You always sing, you know, everyone has that one song they can fall back on or yeah. that one idea they could fall back on, whether it's one sermon, one idea, whatever, you know, you want to make sure you're always prepared and keep things fresh. Yeah. And that reminds me of, you know, people that are good at winging it. You know, oh, mm. they're an awesome vocalist. You know, they can just wing it. Or they're an awesome musician. They can just wing it. It's like, yeah, winging it is not the right way to do it. Like, there are some occasions that maybe call for you to wing it because you were put on the spot. But if you knew you had to be doing a worship set or if you knew you were going someplace to minister, don't just show up and be like, I'm a wing it. I have so much to say about that. <laughs> I love that one. But I think, you know, I definitely agree with what you're saying 110% um, because I, I believe that there are people who are great at winging things, like you say, or being yeah. put on the spot. And then there's they develop that excuse or that crutch, like, I work well under pressure. So, like, mm. if I don't have pressure being put on me, mm. then it's almost like I don't give my 100% or I can't think the way I need to be thinking or anything like that. Um, but I believe that there are people that, being put on the spot and being able to deliver on the spot is not mm. a bad thing. Yeah. It's when you are relying on that. Yeah. You know, when you're given three months to prepare something, but you know that you can do it in two days, you know, that's maybe not the wisest thing to do. Yeah. Right. Because you should have prepared and you should have had time, but it's crazy because, you know, the word says God's word will never come back void. So you could have, let's say a worshiper, a lead wor a worship leader go up not prepare not practice but because you know they're anointed and because God has given them this gift it can seem like they've been practicing for months yeah it can seem like because the crowd reaction and the presence of God and the spirit that moves and how God will still mm -hmm. back up his word through mm -hmm. song and will still come through same thing with the preacher that hasn't prepared a message but can go up there and talk about the three little pigs and spiritualize it yeah and it'd be like yo <laughs> 19 souls came to the Lord with the three that's little funny. pig sermon but yeah. that's because God's word won't come back void yeah. now the difference is you know are you relying on mm. your gift and your anointing to just push you through every yeah. time? 
you know, because that place, that's not a good place to be in. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, ah, I don't need to practice, but I know when I get there to work out. But God is going to hold you accountable for that. Exactly. Because, you know, it's like the parable of the talents. Yes. You know, if God is giving you these talents, it's for you to make them grow. It's for you to, you know, cultivate them. It's not for you to just sit on it. And be like, oh, you know, it's going to carry me through. It's going to carry me through. That's a mentality that a lot of people think that God is not going to call them accountable for. But that's a rude awakening because you're good, but you could be so much better. You could be doing so much more, you know, in your ministry or in your talent. And because of the fact that you're not um, growing, Mm -hmm. you know, that's an issue. Because let's say that at the level you're at now, you know, every time you do whatever you do, you touch five souls every time but if you were to push that and you were to grow that it will go from 5 to 10 to 25 to 100 to 500 but because you think that you're good at the level that you're at at the moment you're not reaching the people that you should be reaching it's like you're not there's this um this 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 um ah oh, this is an analogy that just slipped me uh but regardless of that it is important that you have the self-awareness to be able to self-reflect and be like Man, you know, God did awesome last night when, you know, when I did A, B, and C or whatever. But you know what? I think that I could have put a little bit yeah. more work into that and be able to do that. You have to be able to self-analyze and reflect. And something that I've learned to have to do is not to let other people take advantage of how good you can wing things and do things on the spot. Yep. Yep. That's something else, because I think oftentimes, like I said, it's not a bad thing to be able to deliver when you're under pressure and put on the spot. You know, uh, we need someone to do this. Can you just do it? Mm. Uh, Okay, yeah, I can. Okay, it's happening in two minutes, you know, (laughs) and you're just good at that and you're able to do that and you're able to engage people, able to do things. But you have to come to a point where it's almost like, no, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to just be put on the spot in that way and that's a way for that individual to learn that's a way for you to learn you know because at the end of the day whatever we do in ministry and for ministry it's not for the people it's not for attention it's not for applause it's for god so you know if i'm going up there and only giving 40 percent because i was put on the spot or didn't prepare Mm -hmm. or didn't do what i had to do i'm not bringing god the full glory and mm-hmm. I'm not doing what I, you know, could be doing if I would have put a hundred percent of my energy and focus and attention on this. And that's a difficult position to be in because you don't want to be that crutch to people that, oh, you know, uh, Junie can do it, or Miguel can do it, or Eddie can do it, Fulano can do it or whatever, you know, because you can do it. But what happens is, is that, but then you also don't want to be like, oh, but you know, I'm stopping God from using me. So it's like, it's like this weird place you have to be in. But if you do it the right way, if you address the situation with grace and wisdom, you can execute both things, which is you put somebody in check and you'd be like, you need to stop being lazy. You need to learn how to plan. You know, you need to learn how to, you know, think think things through because that's an issue that sometimes people are are nearsighted or farsighted whichever one it is uh where they can't see the bigger picture they can't see that oh you know you know this is happening in october so i can't wait till september 30th to tell them i need to let them know with time allow them to prepare i need to do this i need to do that um so you you have to be okay with telling people no i can't do it no i'm not gonna be able to do it i'm on vacation with my family or nope yeah. you just let me know too late You know, I would love to next time. Let me know what time and I'll be able to do it. And, you know, it kind of puts them in a position to be like, 
yo, you kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah. But it also puts it in a position to know that the next time they want you to do something, they'll let you know with time. And yes, there are exceptions to every rule. You know, there are things that happen. Maybe they did have somebody and then they pulled out last minute. So they had to reach out to you. So that's different. Circumstances vary uh, depending on the situation. But when it's a, just a bad habit that they have to just try to pull you in at the last minute, that's not okay. Because yeah. God isn't glorified with that, with with you know half um, enthusiast enthusiasmed yeah. astic, enthusiastic. <laughs> I don't know um, what you're trying to say, but yes, <laughs> with half like you know right. you gave you gave half an effort. Yes, no, like if you would have gave a hundred percent effort to glorify God, then you would have been able to you know do everything accordingly. Yeah, I'm sure the listeners got another phrase Hopefully. too that they could have put in there, right? Yeah. But you don't want to do anything, you know. In a way that's not your best. Yes. Right. So that's something that's good. And I think, you know, at least for me, this was like another top of my list. And the last thing that I have um, that I think this definitely falls into is your dependence. So, you know, in ministry, a big mistake I think that people make is they're self-reliant you know, or self-dependent, dependent on what they can do, mm-hmm. you know, dependent on, again, I can execute last minute. I don't need anyone dependent yeah. on, you know, I'm really good at engaging a crowd. So I don't care if they're not engaged right now, because when I go up there, I'm good at this. You know, I know that I can get this many people to, you know, buy in on this vision and buy in on this project. I know that I can, and it becomes this whole thing, like, I can do this, I can Mm -hmm. do that, I'm able to do this, or I'm able to do that, and we're very reliant on us, ourselves, on me, reliant on our ability. And that can work for some things, because in our everyday to day life, let's say you take just secular things, everyday earthly things that we do, you know what, there are things that we are good at, that we can do. We know that we have good reflexes, you know, that we some we go to drop something, we can pick it up quickly. You know, mm-hmm. we diff, little things that we we're dependent on ourselves and that's OK. Yeah. But when that mentality and when that attitude gets dragged into ministry and in everything regarding ministry, I don't need, you know, a team because I got it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't need no one's help. Oh, no, I, I'd rather do it myself. Oh, I don't need that because I'd rather do it myself because I know it'll get done in time, you know? And when that attitude is something that begins to take precedence, you know, you can't be solely relying on yourself, Yeah. you know? So are you going to rely on yourself or are you going to rely and depend on the God who can give you that strength and give you, you know, that encouragement or give you what you need to execute those things. You know, and I believe that one of the things that God gives us is people yeah. to help us. Yeah. So for those people who think that you don't need anyone, you don't need a team. I don't need people around me to buy into my vision. I don't need that. No, you do. And God will give you people when you depend on him. He will give you people to help you along the way. Yeah. You know, and it's very important because, uh, To be able to learn when to tap into God and I mean, you should be tapping into God at all times, Uh, but to be dependent on God and be dependent upon people around you, whether it is, you know, uh, a friend, a leader, a confidant, you know, that is important because in this walk, as we all know, you know, one of the mistakes that go hands in hand with that as well is in ministry, you go through these moments of they call like the desierto, dry spells where you're not as, you know, on demand as you used to be. You're not as in front as you used to be or whatever. And a lot of people tend to give up in those moments. 
where, you know, oh, well, I guess, you know, my ticket, my jig is up. That's it. I'm no, they no longer going to invite me. No one is trying to call me to, you know, sing or lead worship or, you know, um, um, play or to give a sermon or whatever up. I'm just going to give up. But that's important. That's why it's important to have that dependency on God, because when you're going through those seasons in your life, you're able to recognize, OK, maybe this is a season for me to take a break. It's a season for me to get restored. It's a season for me to get re-energized. It's just a season. It's just a moment that I'm going through. So I'm able to make I'm going to be able to make it to the other side. It's not an excuse for you to be like, well, too bad. I'm yeah, going to give it's it all like up. that quote, learn to rest before you quit. Yep. So it's like, okay, I'm going to take a few seconds, a few, you know, a few moments of a month. I'm going to take a week or I'm going to take a yeah. day. You know, some people, it's different for everyone. Yes. To reevaluate, to think about this and, you know, before moving forward. And that goes yeah. for anything that can go in responding to someone. Yeah. You know, not all the time do you need to respond right away. And that's another thing I have learned where it's like, okay, someone comes up at you, you know, asking you something or wanting you to do something or, you know, they come at you maybe the wrong way. You don't mm -hmm. have to respond in the moment. You don't you don't owe anyone a response. It's more like, okay, you know what? I'm going to think about this. I'm going to get back to you with the response. Yep. You know what? I'm going to think about I'm going to look at my schedule. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to look at the calendar. I'm going to see if it fits, if it works well, and I'll get back to you. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to give everybody answers right away. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, we can also learn. And I think there's just so many different things we we learn along the way and mistakes that we've seen, you know, uh, and just more practical things. You know, I think of, you know, communication mm -hmm. where you need to have clear communication, not being messy and disorganized. <laughs> you know, when you want to give a point or, you know, mm -hmm. to, uh, bring a point across, you know, how to do it the right way, you know, making sure everyone's on the same page. Um, you know, something else could just be, you know what, this is a big one. Like for, for teachers, um, I know they really stress the importance of knowing the students' names. Mm -hmm. And sometimes certain teachers have so many different students that it's like, they feel like they can't learn the names or it takes them forever to know someone's name. But you know, it kind of happened to me with VBS this year at the church. Um, we had a lot of new kids mm -hmm. and, I realized, you know, day two going into this, like, oh my goodness, like, I still don't know that kid's name. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I needed to take time and effort and put an effort to remember that person's name, that kid's name. So that's just a simple practical thing, yeah. knowing people's names and not feeling like it's not important. You know, if you have a team of people that you're leading, it's important to know who they are, mm -hmm. you know, and know and have that connection with them. You yeah. know, again, being in ministry is not this supernatural, like superhero type, you know, situation, non-human, you know, world. It's very human and very day to day and, you know, practical things that we can do. You know, I just like to say that in a job, in a secular job, you know, your boss is, you know, whoever your boss is in ministry, your boss is God. Yep. Where it's like, okay, at the end of the day, I need to listen to what he's saying and yeah. what he wants right now. Yeah, and another practical thing is keeping your emotions in check. Like, you cannot use your platform to either bash people yeah. or to share your negative feelings or, you know, I've seen it on so many different levels of things. You know, whether it is that people use the platform to, to yell at people or to bash at them or whatever, or people use the platform where they're supposed to be leading worship and they're talking about how, you know, they had such a horrible day and, you know, they, they just want to give up. Let's praise God. And <laughs> it's, like, right. it's like you have to be able to. All right. There's nothing wrong with sharing. 
you know, if you're going to, if God is moving you to use that opportunity to share about how you were feeling a certain type of way, but God has, you know, restored that in you where, you know, you were angry or you were, you were feeling down or whatever, but God stepped in and did A, B, and C, then that's different. Yeah. But when you just want to like use it as an opportunity to uh, desahogarte, uh, mm-hmm. just let it all out. It's kind of like, is to that vent. to yeah. vent? Is that the right time and place to do that? And again, you know, you don't want to be so in ministry that you're disconnected from people. You know what? Even ministers and leaders and people that lead things and organizations and church groups and whatever, they go, they go through things. They have bad days. They feel like giving up. Do I think it's important for the people that I'm leading, let's say, or the people under me to hear those thoughts and hear those things? Yes. I want to hear that, you know what, a leader of mine or someone that, you know, um, I'm in, you know, uh, I work for in the kingdom or in ministry, whatever is relatable that, you know what you go through hard times the same way I go through hard times. Mm -hmm. Now it's just knowing when to say those things and when not to say those things. Should I say those things when I'm having a leadership meeting an intimate gathering with the leaders and people that I work with, maybe that's a better setting to express how I'm feeling Mm -hmm. at the moment and have them pray for me or have Mm -hmm. them encourage me. You know, if I'm leading worship, trying to lead about, you know, 300, 400, 500 people, maybe thousands of people who had bad days too, who feel like giving up, maybe that's not a good time (laughs) to say about your bad day and how you want to give up and leave it at that. And just leave it at that. You know, so it's just being wise in how to deliver these things, how to say these things, when to say it, how much information to share when is too much too much that's yeah. another mistake we can make where we just say things and don't filter and yeah. don't reserve some information not everybody needs to know everything so it's just again all of these things unfortunately sometimes are learned you know by the hard way yeah the hard way by actually making the mistake trial yes. and error but the important thing is that you learn yeah and i think that the the thing that that covers all mistakes is learning how to depend on god you know we are all at fault for making if not all of these mistakes some of these mistakes but what helps us not do them again is to be dependent on god to be sensitive to his voice to to consult him before you do anything you know before making a decision if somebody came at you sideways and you're a little stressed out or you want to like go at them you know you do what miguel said which is sometimes you just got to be like okay i'll get back to you (laughs) just walk away You know, um, you know, that is important to use God as our filter, to use God as the one who is going to, you know, keep us in check, keep us grounded and keep us real. So we want to thank you guys once again for tuning in to this new episode of God Life Culture. You can always reach out to us. Yes, and all our social media, find us at God Life Culture Podcast. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Um, Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast or your favorite podcast, make sure you subscribe and tune in. Like we said, we are... um, uh, choosing to upload at different times in the yeah. season. So it may not necessarily be every Wednesday like you're accustomed to. Um, you can definitely go back and look at the all of season two. Um, podcast episodes are up there. Definitely leave a comment, review, rating, all of that good <laughs> stuff. Um, but definitely we want uh, to be involved and want you guys to be engaged in our conversations and in our talks. So be sure to subscribe, share the podcast, let people know about 
about it. And um, we will catch you again yeah. real soon. So thank you once again for listening to God Life Culture Podcast. That's God, God Life, Life Culture. Culture. Until next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.